Wesh, wesh, everybody. This is back with the Feedback Podcast. And in this one, I sat down with the man Chris Doss, who used to manage Six Lounge and uh, Hangar Lounge. And uh, we talked about, you know, how we got into the bar business, his story. Uh, we talked about bar management. And, and we also talked about his recent trip to Europe. I uh, just came back from a five-month uh, trip over there and uh, went through I don't know how many countries and cities and had some good stories about it. And we also uh, talked about the differences between the bars here and the bars over there. Uh, definitely a good conversation. Uh, so hopefully you'll like it. So here we go. Episode three, Mr. Chris Globetrotter Doss. All right, let's go. And we're live. So this is your boy back again with the Feedback Podcast. And I'm sitting right across the man, the legend, the socialite. Everybody knows him, <laughs> Mr. Christopher Doss. How you doing, back? What's up? What's up? Good Chilling, to be man. here on here with the Feedback, brother. It's nice. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll say, I have to say, if you, if you guys didn't know, this man put together my first feedback party, the launch party at Six Lounge three years ago. A while ago. Yeah, man, already. Three years. It's amazing. Congratulations yeah. on the success, man. Yeah, man, I'm still here. I must be doing something right. You are. <laughs> you are. People love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, just uh, how did you how did you get into the, the bar business and why, I guess? Yeah, man, it's actually, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's a common story or... Um, my story, I guess it's my story, but I've heard a couple people this happened to. I literally went to Washington State University after high school, um, decided, like every good kid, you know, I'm going to go to school and get my four-year degree, and like every other Filipino kid, I'm going to go into nursing. <laughs> and so, Really? Yeah, man. What tell you? So, yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. So, you know, I everybody in my family's in medicine, so I figured I might as well, too, so I tried my hand at nursing school. I lasted at Wazoo for, I think, a year and a half, two years, and I called it quits. I was like, I can't be doing this anymore. And I remember, I remember actually the summer before my, it was either my freshman or sophomore year at Wazoo, uh, one of my buddies had gotten a job at a local restaurant. It's mm-hmm. It was a Red Robin. We used to have them here. And Those still exist? <laughs> I have no idea. They still make you? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I've never been. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it was a local burger joint started in Washington and Seattle. And he would come home. He was he was busing at the time. He was a bus boy. And he would just come home with cash every night. Every night. And I was like, man, what are, are you, you a stripper? Doing? Are you a stripper? Are you selling <laughs> drugs? What are you doing? And I remember when I finished school, when I decided to leave Wazoo, I was like, man, I want to do this. I want to do what he's getting into because he's making some money. And that's how I got in my first job in 97. I was a busboy at Red Robin, and I just worked my way up from there, man. So, Well, how did you transition from the way? Red Robin is the restaurant, right? It's a restaurant, yeah, And then man. you went to, I mean, you, you had been going to bars, I guess. Well, no, man, because, you know, I was only, at that time, I was 19, 20 years old. Oh. 20 years old, I think. And, um, yeah, it was like I said, it was just a local restaurant close by my house, and that's where he was working. So I went and go went to go check him out one day and he was just busting his ass, you know, just running around all over the place. People loved him. There was just so many 
people working there. He had all these new friends, all these pretty girls working at the hostess stand, which everybody knows that's the place <laughs> to hang out at a restaurant is a hostess stand. Um, and I was like, man, I want to get in on this. And they just happened to be looking for a busboy. I was like, yeah, why, why not, man? Just try my hand. I don't have a job. I'm not going to school. And that's how it all started, man. Literally worked my way up from there, man. I, I bust for a few months, then moved up to... And people are like, I like um, that guy. I like yeah. that guy. You know, that's what it was, though. You know what I mean? I, I think for me, I, I just wasn't afraid to sweat in front of people. You know I mean? I sweat tying my shoes, let alone working, running around a restaurant, cleaning tables, you know? And right. so I think people saw that hard work. They were like, yo, man, here's a couple extra bucks. Here's a couple extra bucks, you know? And as a busboy back then, you know I mean? To walk out of there with 100, 100 some bucks, that was awesome, man. Oh, wow, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> Making more than some of the servers, I guess, so... And then you went from there, and then you started, like, you transitioned to the actual bar, yeah, bartender. No, you know, in fact, it was never in the cards to bartend. I always really? told everybody, in this, in this industry, in the service industry, you know, for me, when I started, it was like, I want to be a server. I want to be a server, make some money until I figure out what I want to do with my life, you know? And that was it. Uh-huh. And it was immediate that I realized, man... I love what I'm doing. I love being in this environment. I love what I'm doing, but I'm cool being a server. I'm not going to bartend or anything like that. Um, and then one day your boy came back home and said, I'm bartending. Yeah. Look at all this cash. Look at all this money. It was crazy because that, that's pretty much how it happened. My buddy would test me. You know, We would do these poor tests. And um, this, is bef- this is when I was still a busboy. He was like, yo, man, you're going to bartend one day. You have the personality to do it. And I was like, man, I'm not going to bartend, man. I'm going to. I'm going to serve, dude, <laughs> like, or cocktail, because, you know, at Red Robin, cocktail was a position for the best servers. It wasn't a position for a girl. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so we had okay. several cocktails that were men, and, man, we killed it up there, had made good money, and he's like, no, you're going to bartend, you're going to bartend. So before all my shifts, you know, he would have me do the pour test, you know, quarter ounce, half ounce, ounce, whatever, and I think it was in... 99 or 2000 mm-hmm. maybe somewhere right around there 2000 maybe is when i actually got up behind a bar and started bartending for the first time how nervous were you bro <laughs> dog i hadn't poured a drink in my life and my first shift was a saturday Ooh. night Ooh. but before my saturday night i had to bartend saturday football which was huge because i was in a neighborhood bar that's where i started and, and yet you had to learn like all the names on the fly, man. Oh damn! I got my ass kicked so bad. It was embarrassing. <laughs> like it was, it was literally like Tom Cruise and cocktails his first night. Like I just drowned. And and within months you're doing tricks, you're doing throwing bottles ooh. like behind the back and all that. I could tell you this much: within the first couple hours, I learned how to bartend because you had to. You know, I, yeah, I mean, you you have to. And then, yeah, I mean, after a while, I just kind of. Learned how to move behind a bar. Learned how to entertain. I guess. Um, I mean, you're like a good guy. Stuff. And then what? Your your friend came back and said, "No, you're you're going to be a manager." <laughs> <laughs> you know, you went from server. Come on, man. You got to keep moving up. This is what life is about. You can't just. Yeah. Essentially, what it was was once I realized I was in the industry that I wanted to be in, mm-hmm. I really figured I was like, okay, well then management would be the next thing right um you know after bartending i'm not gonna be a bartender the rest of my life not that there's anything wrong with it in fact no, no, no. um there's a place that we used to go to back where i'm from in seattle called 13 coins mm-hmm. and it's just a great 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 spot it used to be like the hip spot back in the 70s and 80s 
And now it's just more of like a cool place to go after you're wasted, you know, after a night downtown. Uh And they've got this bartender there. I swear to you, when I was last there, I think the guy is in his 70s. And he's been bartending there forever. Forever. He never met your friend. (laughs) (laughs) He could have gotten him a management job. (laughs) Yeah, he could have moved up. But he's like, he was like you when you say, I just want to be a server. That's what I do. Yeah, and he meant it. Oh, yeah, (laughs) he did. I asked him, I said, how long have you been bartending? He was in his 70s. He said he started when he was 18. Damn. Imagine that. That's no, like, what, I want to meet that guy. Though. Years, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was awesome there dude. when tequila was invented. Yeah, exactly. I met Jose Corvo. Exactly. He was a friend of mine. He's a good friend of mine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that was basically the progression. And then, um, you know, I bartended, and you know, we were all kind of managers at the place that I started at. You know, uh-huh. um, it, it was called Sluggers in Seattle. So shout out to Gary and Tate and all you guys, Shelly, in Seattle. Um, you know, it was one of those places where. You basically had keys. You ran your shift. You mm-hmm. were the manager on duty. And then um, fast forward, 2005, I said, it's time to make a move. I came to Austin to visit three months Wait, later. Wait, I've been in Austin longer than you? Yeah, yeah, man. Thank for you. sure. I've only been here since 2005. Wow. And um, yeah, man, I, I came out here for a visit. A couple friends were living out here. They said it was amazing. I came out, went back home three months later, packed my stuff up, and drove down to Austin from Seattle, man. And here you are. And here I am. And so your first thing was was Six Lounge? My first job, it's ironic, it's ironic that I was at Six Lounge eventually. My first job was Shakespeare's on 6th Street. Ew. Yes. So that was the first place that I bartended at. Um, But one of the first places I remember applying was Six Lounge. Six Lounge had just opened. Mm -hmm. It had just opened maybe a month or two before I moved here. It's sad to say, but I I think I was there. (laughs) pretty sure you're everywhere man. you're everywhere you're everywhere yeah but no i started at shakespeare's and i moved around man i mean you know i it's so competitive out here as you know yeah, in the industry um but i went from shakespeare's to uh i actually was one of the opening bartenders for um what is it uh what is the old club that was up there on uh uh 290 in springdale the strip club um rick's Rick's it was Rick's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Help open that up. Um, and then moved to Carlson Charlie's. So oh, yes, yes. That's rest right. in peace, Carlson Charlie's yeah. is no longer around, as a lot of you know. Uh, and man, I- I'll be honest with you, a lot of people would be bummed out that I've worked with in the past to hear this, but Carlson Charlie's was one of the best experiences I've, in this industry of my life. I've been I've been there a few times and every time I went it was it was dope. Dude. I can't I can't say I went to I drove all the way out there, even though I lived on six twenty back then. Oh. But I didn't know much about the bars uh, over that way because I was like, nah, I'd rather drive thirty minutes to get my ass downtown <laughs> and drive ten minutes down the road. But yeah, I mean I I didn't know much, but from what I hear, people love that place. Man, it was awesome and especially working there, you know, I mean it was a it was a different animal partying there. Partying there was a lot of fun, man. But working there with the crew that we had was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. So yeah, we had a lot of fun out there. But and then in two thousand eight, I transitioned back into downtown and got a job at Six Lounge. Yeah, and then you started running the place. Then took over. Yep, um, one of our good friends that you know, Phil, was running the place, yeah, and he hired right. me. Uh, and then when Hangar opened, he moved over to Hangar, and yeah. I took over at six, and then he moved over to Brew, and I took over both. Yeah, and you kept going back and forth between the two, and your <laughs> nice little suits and your bow ties. 
Always clean. Every time I saw you, I was like, this man is clean every weekend. There's no, you can't catch him slipping ever. <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. No, no but was... seriously, I have a lot to thank you for because, I mean, I did the launch party at Sex Lounge and I did the anniver- the birthday party, the one it was me, Angela, and Men's That's birthday. Right. Uh, we did it at Sex Lounge. So what was some of the things that, like, I mean, I don't want to think about managing. Actually, take that back. Hmm. I think I've seen enough throughout the years of all the bars that open and close to know what not to do. <laughs> Cause I've seen some stuff and I'm like, really? That's you're going to, okay, whatever. But, um, what was some of the things that you had to deal with that were like tough every single time as a manager? Yeah. A man and any manager in any industry, this isn't just service industry, but essentially what you are is a glorified babysitter. And that is no disrespect to anybody that's ever worked as one of my employees or mm-hmm. worked for somebody else as an employee. That's just what a manager does is you have to keep everything in line. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges was the bigger the house that you work in, mm-hmm. the more personalities and people that you have to deal with. You know, you can't treat everybody the same. So is it true what, was, what people say about it's, it's never the, the job, it's the people? I mean, yeah, in some respects. I mean, you can also, you know, take a job that is just, you know, amazing or going downhill, you know, and that can set the tone. But, I mean, I think, you know, in general, as far as managing a bar, I think the toughest part, for me anyway, you know, was just reminding myself that you couldn't treat everybody the same, you know. I mean, there's some people that you can tell, hey, man. You're doing a real shitty job, man. Or, you know, I would never say anything like that. Everybody that knows me knows that's not my style. I'd be like, yo, is that's everything true. okay? You're too likable to be mean. <laughs> I've never seen you pissed off. That's that's the thing. That, that can also be a fault, though, because when you do pop off and get upset. They don't want to be around. You, no one wants to be around you, you know. <laughs> and I, I'm definitely that guy. When I'm pissed or upset at something, I'll try not to show it. It, it gets hard, you know, mm. especially when you've been in the game for so long. Yeah, true. I mean, this is my 17th year in this industry, you know. So, I mean... Um, it is. It's 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 a challenge. There's a lot of challenges back. I mean, there there's times where it's the happiest day of your life coming to work, you know, just because you get to do this. You know, I mean, it's funny. A lot of people go to work nine to five. They have right. to dress up. Yeah. They have to put on their best show. Well, we do the same, but we do it later. We don't have to dress up. We wear our uniform, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we have to put on our best show, too, you know, but our best show is in front of other people, man, you know, I mean, people are coming to us, they want to talk to us, you know, and it's a lot of fun. I, I've always said, man, I, I've always said that I was better behind the bar than I was, you know, walking around in a suit, you know what I'm saying? Really? Yeah. I mean, because it's so much easier, you know what I'm saying? Actually, like, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I got to, of course, when you're managing two bars, Thank God they're across the street from each other. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and you're like, and I used to catch you like on the middle of Colorado. Hey, what's up? I got this, 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 that. Hold on, I'll be right back. I got it. Hey, do your thing. Yeah. Do your, I mean, I look. I, if there's one thing I know, same thing I said to Slice uh, last time. I wouldn't be a D, I wouldn't be a DJ because I'd be a dick. If I was a bar manager, I'd be a dick. <laughs> I think I think I'm building a profile of what, what I would be like if I was doing people's jobs. Because well, you know I yourself. Be a no, you... I know, I know, man. I would and and people, same same with you. You know, people see me. You know, I'm likable. People like yeah. me. I like people. I'm happy. I'm dancing. All that stuff. But 
press my buttons the wrong way. You don't want to be around. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, I think the biggest lesson you can learn is, in fact, just that learning your lessons. You know, when you mess up or something doesn't go right, remember that. Put that in your hip pocket so you don't make that mistake again. That's just life, right? You're supposed to do that. Um, It's no different in our industry. When you mess up, you learn from it and try not to make the same mistake. You know, that'll definitely ease the stress a lot. So, but there's just times. I mean, as you know, we're in a place where. It seems like every weekend there's a festival. Yes, I've been saying that. Every weekend there's something yeah. going on. So every weekend there's some sort of big event. Or, you know, there's a, we just got done with F1 out here. Yeah, um, I was there. You know, Fan Fest in itself is crazy. I mean, the bars around there, I mean, that's, that's a lot of planning that goes into that, you know. Um, same with ACL Weekend. You've got to plan for certain things, even though ACL isn't directly downtown yeah. necessarily at all the bars. It affects you. The big one is South by Southwest. And it's only four months away, man. It's only four months away. And that's a, that's a three week almost event, you know, but it takes a whole year to plan for it. Uh, of course. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stresses that go with the job, but man, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's a lot of fun, bro. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see. What else did I want to talk about? Oh yeah. Of course. Mr. Globetrotter here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that's me. So you went to Europe, and how many countries did you go through? Yeah, man. So it was it was really cool, and um, I ended up going to 15 countries um, and 44 cities. Oh, just over 44 cities in the span of five months. I could have done more, but Aww. I wanted to spend more time in each city right. or in each country at least, you know? So... Um, I've wanted to do at least a week or two, if not more, in each country. And I did. I, in fact, I was in Turkey for five weeks. I was in Greece for three weeks, <sighs> Albania, Croatia for two I, weeks. I hope you all hearing that and, 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 <laughs> and, and really hating yourself right now because this is – this is the uh, – man. <laughs> it's, you know how many, how many jealous people are, are, are going to be when they listen to this? Well, I went to 15 countries and in, in, in 55 cities or whatever. Man, this was, this was something that had Everybody's been in the making, and especially mine, man. You know, I'd been, anybody that knows me knows I've been talking about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was, in fact, supposed to happen back in 2006. It never happened. And then it was supposed to happen for Euro Cup a couple of years ago or last Best year. Best time to go. Which would have been awesome because yeah. I think the host countries were Ukraine and Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't go. And so finally, this past year, um, I had actually, ironic, we would segue into this because, in fact, I quit my job and decided I'm going to take a break for myself, do my thing, do me. I had no plans of going to Europe, none. And seven days before I left, I bought a ticket. I didn't think I was going to go this year. You didn't plan it? I didn't plan it. I didn't plan. All I did was I did research and I was like, you know what? I'm not working right now. I've got some money saved aside. Let's go to Europe for a few weeks. And so I just started doing some research. And then seven days before I left, I bought a round trip ticket. Um, The funny thing about it is, and my friends through traveling, if they hear this, they'll know I was supposed to be gone for five weeks. My return trip was supposed to be from Warsaw, Poland. Mm-hmm. Back to New York on July 3rd. I was trying to be patriotic and come back for the 4th of July. Yeah, you're in Europe. I called. <laughs> I, exactly. I called I called the airline. I was like, yeah, I have a flight tomorrow out of Warsaw, but I'm in Greece. So <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make this trip. And, <laughs> you know, five weeks turned into five months. And that 
in itself was probably the best. It's definitely the best five months of my life. But in everything and anything that I've done, it was my biggest biggest accomplishment. Well, congrats! You know, so glad you made it. Yeah, thank you, man. It was amazing, amazing time. So, moral of story, guys, you got to save your money and go to Europe. Everybody got everybody got to go to Europe at least once. That's I exactly. say at least because I mean it's a total different experience. So, let's talk about bars over there. Okay. Uh, I mean, I know the bars in Paris. I can't say I know because, I mean, I, I moved here. I was 16. And every time I went back, I went to clubs over there. But anyway, mm-hmm. like what were some of the things that you saw there that blew your mind or that were like totally different from here? Yeah, well, there's a few things that are different. Um, I, I guess I'll start with your question. And I think the biggest difference really off the bat is the music. Um, man, I everywhere you go, mm-hmm. it's EDM. It's Are house. you serious? It's it's progressive. I, you know, it's like techno. It's uh, it's just. Now I ain't going nowhere tss, now. Tss, I'm going know? to Paris next month. Now. I don't. Want You're a hip hop guy, no doubt about <laughs> it. You know what I'm saying to me, and, and I love it too. But I think growing up in the Northwest, I grew up in that techno era when mm-hmm. you know people would rent out these abandoned buildings and throw a rave or something like I've that. You been know, to so. Those. I've grown up with that kind uh-huh. of stuff. And so for me, and, you know, that music stems from, as you know, being a music guy, a lot of that stems from stuff back way before it came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You yeah. know, um, 70s, 80s, you'll hear, you'll know, you'll hear some stuff from back then that uh-huh. you're just like, wait a minute, what is that? I don't know. I know that beat. I know that sound. And so over there, you know, and it's no big surprise. I mean, Europe's always been ahead when it comes to fashion yeah when it comes to you know latest trends and music and everything like that you know not necessarily american music or what we're used to here in austin but but I their think, version of that but their version of it i think if you go to bigger cities around our country here in the u.s man i mean the music's very similar to what you would hear all over europe you know i mean the bigger mm-hmm. clubs are going to play that kind of music you know you you're not really going to find a whole lot of places that are playing a lot of hip-hop these days or uh, whatever, you know, in EDM's the bigger cities. EDM's taking over. So. Yeah, EDM's taking over. And, you know, it, which is fine. Which is great because it's also allowed them to have some of the best festivals on the planet. I mean, there's a festival going on every weekend in a different country. Uh-huh. I didn't get to partake, but, you know, it was it was amazing to hear some of these stories, man. Um, but, yeah, the music is the biggest difference. Ice. Ice is... Another big difference. They don't use a lot of ice in Europe, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I used to honestly when I used to when I used to order and then and then they would fill bartender would fill a whole I mean ten ice cubes in the little ass glass. I'm like, I would actually take the glass. <laughs> that was back then. Now I don't care no more. But back then I used to just pour the ice out and they looked at me like, What the hell are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, You're you're I know you're selling, but come on. This yeah. is not worth seven dollars. No, yeah, man. That's that's totally Did that's, you have to ask? Did you have to ask for 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 more ice? No, you know, for me, man, when I went out there, I, it was like one of those when in Rome things. You know what I'm saying? Like however uh-huh. they did it, I wanted to do it the same way. That's the I way didn't to do want it. to stand out. You know, I already look different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When, especially where I traveled. I was in Eastern Europe a lot. And, you know, but I've heard this through all of Europe is that we waste ice here. You know, they don't necessarily use a whole lot of ice. In fact, back, I, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I would posted something on my Facebook page that um, I was bartending a shift in Greece. And yes, I saw that. You remember this? Okay. Yeah. So it was a funny story, if you don't mind, man. Go ahead, like, go ahead. I was going through the Greek islands with a buddy of mine that I'd met and 
we're sitting in EOS and this guy comes out of the bar and he's got this sign that just says looking for help. I didn't see it, but my buddy was facing that way and he goes, Hey man, come over here. You know, I didn't know what was going on. Uh And he's like, yeah, this guy used to run bars, this and that for a long time, this and that he could help you out. And I was like, dude, I'm traveling, man. Like, I'm not trying to get get no work out here right now, man. Like, I got places to see. And the guy's like, listen, listen, man, we just opened a couple days ago. We're short on some bartenders. Would you like to come in and work? That was in English or in Greek? In English. Oh, okay. In English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was like, you know what? It's another story. So I... I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So came back that night, and it was crazy, man. It was crazy. There are some differences. I think the biggest difference, though, is just maybe how people party. I how think, so? okay, so th- this is going to sound kind of weird, but for us, we can say, hey, man, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, man, you know, I'm going to go out. I'll probably black out, and, you know, it, it, it's funny. Uh-huh. Um, but then you start to realize that people from around the world, they just party different, you know, like, for example, if an Aussie says they're going to black out, they mean that shit, man. <laughs> like, if an Australian person tells you they're going to black out, that's not a joke. Like no one's laughing. Like that is in the cards to black out that night. But is it, is it an all night kind of deal? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I look, dude, I know a lot of drinkers obviously being in the industry right mm-hmm. and i've seen a lot of people just go to town but there's just some people around the world that can do it all night and it really has nothing to do with um you know what country you're from or anything but i will say um the aussies definitely have a culture of drinking i mean i think they start drinking when they're about three and <laughs> like you know they don't they don't mess around they know how to party that's for sure so so i know like in uh, in paris The way, like, you, this, uh, you go to a club in Paris, you take the last metro, which is at around 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. You can show up at the club at 2 a.m., and there's nobody in there. It's like showing up at 8 here. Mm-hmm. There's nobody. Bum rush at 3.30. And then it's game on. And then it's up. It is, it's till 8. Yeah. And you get out. It's, it's, day, it's daytime. And first thing you do, you go to the back of a bakery, you knock on the door, and you say, I want some hot croissants fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that man. was the thing. For sure. That's, that was the thing. And, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure that if, and I, it's really, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but because, you know, sell alcohol stops at two o'clock, you know, there's all these things that needs to happen. You got to kick everybody out, got to clean up, and everybody's outside, and the cops show up, and everybody's drunk, all that stuff. But, When you have something that goes on all night, like like they do in Europe, I mean, they how what time did you would you get out when you were? Yeah, there? no, I mean, it really just depends because you know we would start anywhere from maybe ten or eleven for dinner. Exactly, <laughs> you know what I'm exactly. Saying? That's what I'm talking you know, about. We would go do that, and then we'd go hit the club up. Or if it was a bar, we would go to a bar at any time. You know, you can go to a bar anytime. Yeah, that's no big deal. Um, but if you're going to go to a club, you go late. You go you, late as possible because it stays open much later than two o'clock. I mean, yeah, exactly. you're right, people. People do come in around two, three, four, and it's just getting off right then. Yep. You know, but um, I, I think the misconception in some places that bars don't ever close out there, that's not true. The, the bars do have a closing time, mm-hmm. but they're much more relaxed about it. You know, yeah. for us, it's two o'clock, get out. Yeah. Right? Over there, it's, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock. Yes, you were supposed to be yeah. Who cares? They'll close when the last person leaves. So Nice policy. Yeah, I we love that. have this over here. 
So is there anything that really like blew your mind that you saw? You're like, hey, this like a, a concept because mm-hmm. I know what's going on here is that you have a lot of bars opening and closing, and they're all trying to come up with something different because you have so much competition next door and all that, you know. But um, what you see overseas, it you see something totally different. I don't. know. You go to a bar and you take off your shoes or something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't you know. know. Just, as far as concepts, no, man. I, I was actually surprised. And there is one thing that um, I saw, and they in Budapest, Hungary, they do um, these pub crawls. Uh, they do pub crawls everywhere, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, this particular pub crawl is called a ruined pub crawl. And what it is is these bars, these people have just set up shop in these old abandoned essentially ruins. I mean, you can see. Ruins? You walk, yeah, you walk in and... You know, it's an old building that looks like it's just been bombed the hell out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's like pieces of brick falling everywhere. And it's a nightclub. And you're like, what? This is, it's like just, there's no roof. There's some of them. In fact, one of them has no roof. It's just four walls. It's just four stone walls that looks like it's been bombed out, which it has. And like, it's amazing. It was really, really cool, man. Um, just wow. a lot of cool, cool bars there in Budapest. But, as far as actual concepts, like, you know, like what some of the bars out here are doing, you know, mm-hmm. with whatever they've got, nothing blew my mind. I think it's just the people is really what yeah. was different, man. And that's what was awesome. You know, I mean, there was a club that I didn't get to go to because I had gotten there a week before it opened. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, it got rated the number one outdoor club or number one club in Eastern Europe. I uh, can't remember the name of it, but it was in Budva, Montenegro. Mm-hmm. And this thing holds... Everybody knows where that is. <laughs> Everyone knows where Budva, Montenegro is. Montenegro what? Mont- who, call, call, who are you calling a Negro? Who are you calling <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to pull a Richie Incognito up in here, man. So uh, I'm keeping it clean. But no, in, in Budva, Montenegro, they have this bar. And I can't remember the name of it, but apparently it's an outdoor bar on a hill mm-hmm. that holds over 10,000 people. And this bar is just, everybody knows this place out there. It's a nightclub. I shouldn't call it a bar. It's a nightclub. Um, but the funny thing is, is how some of the girls party out there in Europe. You know, I'd heard this. I'd heard this about some of the Balkan countries. You know, I'd heard that, um, you know, some of the Croatians can be like this. I've heard that Montenegrans well, can be do, like this. Well, what do, what do. Come on, <laughs> spill the beans now. You can't just see so us like that. So it's funny because, you know, you have these dance floors and you have tables around. It looks like any other nightclub, mm-hmm. but no one's dancing. What? Okay, so people aren't on the dance floor dancing. They're at their tables, kind of just moving around, if that at most. Okay, you it s- is the most bizarre thing you've ever seen, man. I'm not saying this is true through all of it. I'm just saying, for the most part, is that what you saw? In Montenegro, especially, you know, like we were on the dance floor. Yeah. The dance floor was tiny. You know, it was it was a small dance floor. But people were really huddled up around their bottles. You know, they were huddled up around these little tables and they were just dancing with each other. Now, for the fellas, a good thing is these clubs are 80% women and they are all dimes. Y'all know what dimes are. They're yes. all dimes, man. So um, definitely not enough dudes going around talking to the ladies. So, Well, I'll, t- I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you a story. I went the, the first time I went to a, a club in Paris. And again, we, it was me and my cousin. And we show up at 2 a.m. So no more, but no more metro. We took the last metro to get there. And we get there and the guy at the door goes... Uh, 
uh, sorry, we can't let you guys in because you have to have girls with you. Because trying to maintain a ratio like two to one or something like that. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> my cousin goes, yo, just act like you're not from here and you're, you're a tourist <laughs> and don't, don't speak English. And at the time, English was okay, but, you know, and he was like, no, I'm just, you know, having him visit. It's just, he's just here, you know, just visiting Paris. That's now I'm trying to show him this club. And the guy was like, nope, you got to go. You got to find girls or you're not getting in. And so we ended up walking downtown Paris at like 2.30, a.m. looking for chicks that would come to the, <laughs> to the club with us. Sounds familiar. <laughs> no, but seriously, and, we, we, and, so, and usually at that time in, in Paris, at least like downtown Paris, all, the only girls around are the hookers and <laughs> prostitutes and shit. And Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> you have a story to tell, too. No, but we ended up finding these two... Two girls, and then we went. Of course, we pay for their cover. We were like, we just wanted to get in because at that time, I mean, and and it's not like you can just. There's no bar next door. You have to take a cab or you have to drive or something. And there's no more metro at there's that. No time. more metro at that time. So yeah, we pay for their cover and then went in and we just you know kind of went our separate ways once we got inside. Was it worth it? Yes. It was off the hook. Oh, it was off the hook. It was in the basement. You know, it was hot. It was during the summer. Till 8 a.m. We got out. We actually met up with them afterwards at 8 a.m. and went to have breakfast. Nice. But, I mean, it, it's – it's. I think that there's a lot of things that they do overseas uh, when it comes to, you know, the crowd, when it comes to the ambiance yeah. they're trying to do that really sets it apart. And so I think there's a lot of things that, you know, people could learn here from what they do overseas. They'd be like, hey – I mean, Austin is a cool enough place, I think, that mm-hmm. you could take anything – and apply it here, and then people will be cool with it. Unless it's really, um, what's the word? Like Vegas-like, I would say, because people mm-hmm. are that laid back here. But mm-hmm. otherwise, it's a lot of things we could, we could do in Austin. I, mean, I think the laid back atmosphere in Austin is also what makes our nightlife out here stand out compared to everyone else's. You know what I mean? It is chill. You don't have to necessarily dress up at most places. Yes. You know, the one thing, though, that I wish we did have was a proper dance club. You know, uh-huh. I mean, I, that's one thing that seems to not anymore escape. Where, where, where's the dance club out here? I don't. I can't even name one. Oh, there isn't one. Oh, I thought you were saying there was one. Yeah. No, I no, mean, no. I can't. I, most of either they're a dive bar or they're kind of a just a bar where there's no designated area. Mm-hmm. There used to be some. But there used to be some, but you know they're no longer around. And the funny thing is, especially with you, you know, you know, we know a lot of DJs, man. I know, you know, I know it would be pretty cool for some of these guys to really show their skill in a packed club, not bar. What do you think feedback parties are for? You know, that's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> I mean, your parties, you know, I mean, you do play a lot of great music. I, I had seen somewhere on the feedback page, actually, that um, one of the parties, I, I don't know if it was recent or a while back, they were doing like some sort of. Maybe it was Slice's interview where they were doing some sort of sing-along for the last hour and a half. Or yeah, whatever. he had a party last, last as Plush where it was the R&B, R&B thing. Yeah. Come on, man. That's awesome. That's what I'm saying. That's so, awesome. Actually, I'm, 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 in a way, it's a good thing that um, there's not that many of those because when they happen, you know, people show up, you know, and then they dance their ass off. You go to Peligrosa show, I mean, people dance their asses off. You go mm-hmm. to Plush, everybody's, everybody's up in it. Um, but, yeah, there's not really... It's it's the DJs and the crowd that make it a dance club, but the venue itself is not necessarily a dance club. That's very true, man. That's very true. That's which is why we see DJs, you know, spinning everywhere. 
yeah you know dive bars regular bars you know whatever you want to call it so but it's cool you know we definitely have a cool thing going on here in austin and um you know you, you can't compare austin to europe and you can't compare europe to austin but there are some really cool things in both yeah that i've seen and some cool cool all right and now it's time for a little game Instant fit feedback. All right. Close your eyes. <laughs> okay. Close your eyes. And first thing that pops in your head. Boobs. Oh, wait. <laughs> I didn't start. <laughs> you didn't start yet. My bad. Hey, whatever makes you happy, man. Whatever makes you happy. All right. Uh, ready? I'm ready. I'll close my eyes for you. All right. All right. Tequila. Limes. <laughs> ready? Okay. Yeah, weird. Dive bars. Oh, um, I know it's the first thing, but I can't, I can't think of the, the name. What is the bar that we used to go to that Randy used to work at? Dirty Pills. Dirty Pills, man. That's my favorite one. All right. Manday. Ah, uh, that's my heart, man. That's a lot of good people in Manday. That's yeah. my heart. Yeah. Uh, bottle service. Overrated. I agree. Holiday season. Ah, uh, family. Syria. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was the one just Whoa. to just put it out of it. I had to open my eyes. I'm like, are you for <laughs> real, dog? You can ask me about this right now. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Well, thanks a lot. I, I got I is... got one for you. Okay. Your first if if I ask you to close your eyes and you give me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. It might be in French or in my African language. I That'd be awesome, it. actually. All Senegal, right? right? Yeah. Go ahead. The feedback. My my baby. That's your baby. My and baby. You have done a great job back, man. I, I think all your friends are super proud of you, man. And I'm you blushing, know. but you can't tell. I love it. Well, you know, if anybody <laughs> knows what you look like, it'd be hard to see a brother exactly. like you. Exactly. <laughs> what are the perks of being this dark? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... Time for, you have anything you want to plug? You want to give a shout out? You yeah. want to tell people where to go, what's going on? Of course, you know, and I, there's a new place which is near and dear to a lot of people's heart. Um, it's, a, it's a new old place called the Mean-Eyed Cat. Um, these guys have taken over this place, Max and his crew, and have just done a phenomenal job of bringing back the Mean-Eyed Cat and really, you know, a buddy told me this place is got soul and it has soul. If you haven't been the mean eyed cat, go check it out on West fifth. Um, of course you got to plug CK spot. Swiss attic is amazing. Oh, food. It's uh. really good food. You guys bring a big group of people, share, try everything. And you're going to eat, eat listening to Trap Call quest. Oh man. The music is dope you too. You know what? That, that does not get enough love. CK's playlist over there is yes. awesome. If you are a child of the 70s, 80s, 90s, hip-hop, R&B. CK knows his stuff. He knows it, man. And he plays some good music for you guys. But, yeah, go check those places out. And, you know, there's a million other places to check out. So, um, you know, just enjoy Austin, especially for those of you that might be listening to this from other places. So. All right. Uh, on my end, let's see what's coming up uh, on f this Friday on the 29th at uh, Holy Mountain uh, on 7th Street between Red River and 35. There's Talib Kweli. You all know Talib Kweli from the legendary Black Star. Nice. He'll be doing a DJ set uh, hosted by Austin's own Zeely. 
Get Slice, Orion, Bert Peterson, Axe Gang. Uh, it's going down Friday, uh, 9 o'clock, $12 cover. Also, Friday, December 6th, Body Rock. You've never been to Body Rock. You're looking for a place to dance. Body That's Rock, it. yes. Sahara Lounge, way out on Weberville. Deep. Yeah, that place. I mean, uh, Riders Against the Storm, Jody Sofong, these guys, I mean, they they can rock a party. Nice. So Sahara Lounge, they're doing a new Jack Swing edition, $5 at the door. And if you haven't had your new Jack Swing fix that night, the following Wednesday, uh, the 11th at the Empire Auto, Automotive Group, uh, it's uh, the new Jack Swing crew, Kit Slice, Mike Swing, Protégé, and A.B. Assassin. Nice. Support those guys. Those yeah, guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been to, to the new Jack Swing party. It's the $10 cover. Um, that's about it. Uh, Anything going on the eve before Thanksgiving back? Uh, I guess actually, what's going on on Thanksgiving? You want to put me on the spot? I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> that was the question. What are we eating, brother? Uh, I don't uh, even know. Let my, uh, I don't even know what I'm doing. No, but uh, I, I put this up uh, on Thursday. So cool. definitely I'll, I'll put out some stuff that's going on. But thank you, sir. Thank Mr. you, man. Chris Doss. I'm so glad that, uh, I mean, I know I, I'm, I'm trying to do this. And uh, I really appreciate you coming through. And like I said, I want to get everybody. I'm going to bring, I told Cody, I told CK, I told all of them. I definitely want to have everybody's uh, perspective on all this. And uh, tell your friends, we're on iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends, tell your people, tell your mom, tell your girlfriend, tell your dog. Maybe he'll like it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, comment, share. All that good stuff, and you can if you have questions or things you wanna you want us to bring up on the show, uh, you can email us at podcast at defeedback dot com. Uh, B A K, of course, like my name, kind of narcissistic, but eh, it's a brand now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, we'll have a whole conversation uh, next time. I know who I have on, but again, thank you so much. You're the man. Back. Continue I'm trying, success, brother. I'm trying. Feedbacks off the hook. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Till next time, guys. You have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy, Happy Thanksgiving. holidays. All the best. All right. Ciao.